Welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Bear, the Conk Adam <laughs> in studio. Welcome to the show wherever you are on the podcast or on the radio. Thanks to KLFT and all of our listeners all over the place. Do all over. You look good in purple. Yeah, I look great in purple. Really? Thanks for asking. Yeah, because it's Lent. And yeah. purple is the, the sort of the Lenten it is. color. Just a couple of days in, but I've already worn a good bit of purple. And I don't wear purple. Ever? During Lent, or rarely, unless I'm going to a football game, hint, hint. Ah. Uh. <clears throat> but you, um, as, a, as a deacon. I wear a lot of purple. Wear purple. There's even a couple of days I wear rose, which looks like pink. Does anything look good in purple, though? I mean, purple's sort of like this bold color. It is. It is. Um, I don't know if much looks good in it. That's a good question. Maybe that's why it's the penitential color. Yeah. Because it's like, let's wrap them in purple. It'll look terrible, and that'll be their penance. Hmm. I don't know. Well, shout out to everyone who had a great Mardi Gras, wherever you are, if you don't celebrate it. I did send some king cakes to some friends of mine. Did you? Around the country, just as a gift. Paul, look at you. Thought I'd be nice. Mr. Thoughtful. For those of you guys in Arizona and Georgia and Ohio and Minnesota, where else? I hope you enjoyed your king cake. You sent all those places king cakes? You're like the Santa Claus of king cake. I don't think people understand how awesome it is to just have king cakes at your disposable here. And Mm -hmm. and so it's just, yeah, share the wealth. Man. Of king cake. You totally inspired me because I ate king cake without thinking about anybody in Minnesota. Right. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, uh, <laughs> we just, here we are in Lent, right? Just like that. Boom. I mean, Mardi Gras ends and boom, here we are in Lent. Ash Wednesday um, this week, first Friday of Lent. Uh, I mean, here we are right in the middle of it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so ready. Bring the rent. Bring the Lent. <laughs> <laughs> and the rent. And the rent. But nobody rents money you know, from me, so they don't owe me money. You better pay your rent and Lent. I do have to pay my rent and Lent. We should do like a theme one year called Rent and Lent. And I don't know what we're going to rent, but like maybe it could be some like a, you know, I don't know. It's a good idea. Like yep. some type of penance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You rent in Lent. Maybe we pay some family's rent Ooh. during Lent. Well, Lent calls for prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Right. So pay someone's Lent, rent for Lent. Yeah. Rent it for Lent. It. So, you know, with prayer, obviously, you know, locking into an attitude and a time of prayer in Lent, um, fasting, you know, choosing to fast during Lent. Obviously, we have required days of Ash Wednesday and on Fridays, but like more than that, like what's something consistent we could do? And then almsgiving, you know? Mm-hmm. What are ways that we can give, help the poor, help our church, help ministries, help spread the gospel, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, that's sort of the the attitude. And I know, you know, in recent years, maybe let's just say like the past, I don't know, timeline, 10, 15, 20 years, there was sort of this move in the Lent of to to kind of um do less and more kind of um, you know, work on like more of an attitude, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like to n- not give up things as much as start doing things. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But actually, if we follow the formula of Lent that the church asks, which is prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, it is about doing. It's mm-hmm. about doing those things so that those things point us more and more towards the grace of God to be closer to him. And we do that by choosing these acts of doing, doing prayer, doing almsgiving, doing fasting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So not saying, well, I'm not going to give up anything for fasting. I'm going to try to be nice to people. Well, yeah, that's a good thing. Like we should be nice to people. I should, you know, whatever. But but doing these three things actually moves us to actually love people better, right? Mm-hmm. To carve out more space in our life for God. That's what Lent's about. So I'm of the thought now, like, l- let me just do what the church ask, right? Because mm-hmm. they've been doing this for thousands of years, right? Yeah. And then let, let me just trust the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's a good plan. Like, if you go through the process, your outcome will be good. I agree. Well, and people have forgotten over the centuries about the evangelization impulse of Lent. I mean, Lent is really to prepare for baptism. That's why it's there. Mm -hmm. And the prayer, fasting, and almsgiving we do is not only to do penance for our sins, but primarily it was to pray for the grace in people's lives who are becoming Christian that God, that we would snatch their souls from the enemy and then implant them in the kingdom of God at baptism. And uh, we prepare for renewing our own baptism for Lent, right? And so, yeah, Lent is not a time to be self-focused on, I will do all these great disciplines. But really, if we just think about the fact that there are going to be hundreds, thousands maybe of people brought into the church this Easter all over the world, um, adults who were snatched away from the enemy from a life that, was apart from God and and his love for them. And now we'll be living lives of grace with Jesus Christ. This is huge, right? So like my prayer, my fasting, my almsgiving has an object. It's these people, you know, it's not me. It's, it's these people that are entering the church and I want to give them as much grace as, as possible through my work. Like you said, get to work, get to work, start doing it. I mean, I think what happened is there was this pendulum swing where, um, you know, and, and you always have these pendulum swings like within history and in the church is that people were being maybe so rigorous during Lent that they were actually forgetting about other people, mm-hmm. forgetting about like loving others, even forgetting about why they were doing the penance, which is not about you. It's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's about growing closer. So people were doing penance and really not really even thinking about the Lord. Yeah. Right. So there was this sort of move. And so then there was this pendulum swing the other way where it was like, well, those people are just angry and bitter and <laughs> don't even think about the Lord. So I'm just going to like, you know, my, my Lent is just going to be about growing closer to Jesus, but not doing penance. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there's this middle ground where it's all about growing closer to Jesus through these three verticals, these three avenues, you know, of, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So, anyway. Paying the rent this Lent. Pay the rent this Lent. (laughs) The spiritual rent. That's how you pay spiritual rent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Don't live in your soul rent-free. You got to pay God. I don't know if that makes sense. It doesn't make much sense. Okay. (laughs) Makes no sense. (laughs) 
Do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Paul, I have huge news. Huge. What is it? Well, they haven't invented time travel just yet. How do you know? But, well, they haven't, haven't been public about it. But have you seen that the next best thing is coming this month? What is it? A whole nother day. They're adding a day to the calendar? This month. Oh, it's, a it's leap. leap year. It's a leap year. We have February 29th. Yeah, so most years you're like February 28th. We're done with February. Move on to March 1st. Mm-hmm. But this year, you get a whole day added to your life. Is that good? I think it's great. Um, so, you know, I don't know if you've seen this situation, but... I mean, I've, I have <laughs> seen it. So every seven years, is that what it is? Four years. Every four years. See, I was close. Mm-hmm. I was three years off, <laughs> which is about <laughs> where my math is, generally. So people are out every there. four years. There's a leap year. That's right. Why? What? Why, how did I come up with seven? Where'd that come from? I have no idea. Like, can you follow my brain there? There's no connection. I don't know. Seven. In the Old Testament, every seven years, all debts were released. Yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking. <laughs> so people are wondering what they're going to do with their extra day this year. Hmm. What I don't understand is why are we all like working? Like, how did we do the business we need to do last year without this day? Hmm. But this year, we can't make it with, without working on February 29th. I think everybody should get the day off and just have a day to do whatever you want. So the leap year with the extra day, you just leap that day, take the day off. Yes. Like, what, we obviously got all of our work done last year. Well, that's, that's subjective. Well, it, whatever happened last year is going to happen this year, even if we take the day off on the 29th. Right. Don't you think? Yeah, right. So anyway, some people are actually doing that, and they're doing um, uh, leaplings, is what they're calling it. Okay. I don't know if you've seen this, Mm-mm. but um, leaplings are people who are born on February 29th. Yeah, I was thinking about those people. And apparently there's five million of them. Because they only get a birthday every four years. Right. Five million in the world-ish born on that day. Really? Yep. And... Uh, yeah, so I think, I think I'd like to start a movement. I don't know if it's a thing we can talk to employers about, but just shut it down. Every four them. years, shut that day down. Yeah. Just give people a free day. What would you do with a totally free day? Of course, you'd probably have some idea. I don't really know, but I do think about those people who have birthdays every four years. Now, you still celebrate their birthdays, but what about, you know, we often celebrate saints. Mm-hmm. You know, who's the saint <laughs> on that day, February 29th? Is Saint Oswald? Really? That's what it says. I didn't know there was a Saint Oswald. Well, apparently not, because he's he only have his feast day every. So you just hear about him every four years, but right? Yeah. There's really a patron saint on that day. Yeah, yeah, that's what it says. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, everyone's off of work on Saint Oswald Day every four years. But what I'm saying is, like, why can't they move Saint Oswald to the 28th? And just leave that day blank. There's no saint on that day. Well, maybe... um, Because that saint only gets it every four years, but maybe he's the patron saint of people who were born on that day. Maybe so. I know if I were born on that day, I would would feel a close connection to him. Because he only gets a feast day every four years. I only get a birthday every four years. 
It makes sense. You know who was born on that day? Who's a a, a leapling? Mm-hmm. Shaquille O'Neal. Really? Yes. Who else? That's it. <laughs> as far as I know. <laughs> but he's not very old if you count how many birthdays he's had. Yeah. So, look, don't waste your extra day. I'm reminded of, uh, remember when we talked about Blessed Carlo Acuides like many, many shows ago, but he said before he died he doesn't fear dying because he didn't waste a single day? That blows my mind. I still think about that often. I've wasted so much time, um, I think, you know, like spiritually, that I could have spent better loving the Lord, better loving God and neighbor. So I feel like I get this new day in just a couple of weeks. I want to I wanna get that day right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a whole extra day. I'm I'm gonna go all Carlo Acuides on it, man. What does that mean? I'm not gonna waste a minute of it. I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna live that day, man. You are. Yeah. Man, <laughs> you've really got got it going on. I'm fired up about Leap Day. Hmm. I didn't know they had a name for Leap people. Yeah, le- Leaplings. Does this add an extra day to our Lent? It's the most important thing I need to know. Because I think Lent this year is like 40-something days. It's not 40 days. People who are like, Lent's 40 days. This year it's not. It's actually more than 40 days. Really? I think it's like 46 or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 46, which is closer to 50 than it is 40. Did you know that? Yeah, the Lent math gets a little hairy. You know, 40 days. Um, and we, we kind of all approach it, man, 40 days. I can do 40 <laughs> days, 40 days in the desert. Like Jesus, I'm going to be just like that. 40 years in the desert, like the Israelites. I'm going to cram it into 40 days. But now it's 46, and I'm like, whew, I don't know if I can do 46. Right? Like, <laughs> Well, isn't that the spiritual life? Is like Because 46 is closer to 50 than it is 40. That's true. Like if you learned round math, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if, uh, if you're willing to go the 40... Maybe the 46 isn't so much a stretch. But sometimes I feel like that in the spiritual life is like, all right, Lord, you're asking me to do a 40 here. I'll I'll do it. And then you get to the end of that 40, and it's like, no, I need, I need a little more from you, Adam. You know, like, I'm going to stretch you a little bit more. Stretch a I'm little gonna... bit more. <laughs> That's God often, yeah. And God wants to stretch us. I mean, imagine if Jesus, after, you know, falling the second time, would have just been like, I'm done. That right. I, that's This is all I'm going to go. Yeah, that's a great point because he's already got to die on the cross. Mm-hmm. So he's agreed to that. But not only that, he's going to get scourged. He's going to fall three times. Right. He's going to have people spitting at but him and hitting like, him. But he's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up again. We'll fall a third time and we get up and I'm going to go all the way, right? Yeah. So this Lent is going to stretch you. Now, look, if you are trying to take Lent off, I'm just going to tell you that you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. Because there's something very beautiful about doing hard things, even if they're simple things, right? Mm. I'm not talking about like, you know, like walking barefooted through glass and like making things extremely painful. But there is something very, you know, um, beautiful about doing hard things. I feel like our minds and our hearts come alive when we do hard things, right? And Lent moves us to, to this like interior life where we're removing some things that are just normal everyday you know conveniences so that we can focus more on God like take Ash Wednesday for example right 
that's one of the days of like, uh, you know, required fasting, mm -hmm. you know, not only from meat, but abstinence, right? Mm -hmm. And we have two of those days in Lent, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, right? Mm -hmm. Now, on Fridays in Lent, we fast from meat, right? And you choose to fast from other things throughout Lent. But on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, correct me if I'm wrong, Mr. Purple, <laughs> is that we um, not only fast from meat, but we abstain in between meals. Yeah, we abstain from meat and we fast, meaning one meal and maybe two snacks that don't let up to a meal during the day. That's it. On yeah. Wednesday, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. Right. Okay. So Ash Wednesday was this week. Ash Wednesday, we were actually traveling back home, which was very inconvenient, which made it even more Ash Wednesday-ish. Total ashy. Yeah. Okay. So the whole two small meal thing, I can tell you this. I was so hungry for dinner. I bet. And I was like just so reminded of how grateful I was for a meal. And when we sat down to eat our dinner, you know, uh, I just found myself praying a blessing like I've never prayed before. Like, just so interiorly grateful. Like, I'm being honest. Like, mm -hmm. I was just, like, really extremely grateful for this very simple meal because I, just this, this hunger just reminded me of how, how blessed – and how much I'm relying on God and his providence. It was not, it sounds so simple, but like I'm trying to simplify how much God can work in just the simple things of just removing little things and doing hard things because it, it just carves out more space in our heart for God. Yeah, and fasting certainly has that effect of gratitude because it's, it's to counteract the temptation of gluttony which is I'm just going to eat as much as I want until I pop, you know, um, which creates in us a very entitled attitude to the things we have, food, you name it. You know, the things we have, we, we got because we planned the meal, because we cooked it, because we paid for it, because we provided it, whatever. But when you fast, um, you eat less, first of all. If you've ever done it, you know that, when you finally get to that meal at the end of the day, like you're describing, you're not going to eat a ton because your stomach has been, you know, you're not going to like eat uh, three meals at one time. Right. Your stomach's actually ready for just a smaller amount. Right. But you savor it so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you're so grateful for it. Yep. And it's like that with every other blessing God gives us when we fast is that we have this disposition of dependence on providence and gratitude when we get it. And see, that's the part when I was talking about earlier, wasting so much of my life so much time is that part of it is ingratitude. I mean, God has provided so much for us, Paul, and food and friends and family and salvation and mercy. And I eat it like a, like a gluttonous person. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I just chew right through it, swallow it and move on. Yep. Yep. Not really thinking about, um, just sort of taking advantage of it and, and not even intentionally. Right. Mm -hmm. Just, just because, and I think this is the beauty of Lent is that it removes the, the extra, you know, that we have so that we can focus on the blessing that God is in our life. Um, okay, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. 
Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk, in studio with um, a wonderful Lent and and nice, um, what would you say, um, foggy windows? Yes, we have um, an updated studio here. Frosted, frosted, frosted windows in the studio. I like that. People can't necessarily look in. We can't That's look right. out. Who knows what's going on? It's just there. an extra bit of class. Like you ever... Um, you ever have a, a water glass at maybe like a fundraising dinner or a fancy, fancy whatever, and it's a little frosted? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, just a little I, touch of I don't get to go to fancy things like you do. <laughs> That's not true. I mean, you've been to more than I. Oh have. no, as a deacon, I mean, you get you know. Well, not as a deacon. You know, very you know treated with with so much <laughs> you know dignity and respect. <laughs> That's not quite accurate, but you know. No, you've been. To, yeah, so we got a new upgrade here at Catholic Radio Studios and. At Christ Our King Radio here in Lafayette, and um, yeah, enjoying it. Um, you know, it was interesting. So one of the king cakes I shipped was <laughs> to show mom. She has a birthday that that kind of is kind of in carnival season, particularly because carnival season was early this year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Mardi Gras season. So anyway, I'm I'm in the king cake store, and the woman next to me is. I don't think she's Catholic. Okay. I didn't ask her, but she's in there buying a king cake as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because king cakes are for everyone. Oh, yeah. You know, Catholics and non Catholics. It's a, it's a barrier um, destroying food. Yes. Breaks down the barriers. Right. Anyway, she was making a comment that, you know, Ash Wednesday this year was on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. And how unfair that was <laughs> that Ash Wednesday was on Valentine's Day. And she said out loud in the store that she goes, you know, those Catholics could have like fixed that. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> now, I was just laughing because it was like, I don't have time to explain to her the liturgical calendar, mm-hmm. right? She just can't imagine that. Basically, two quote-unquote holidays, right? Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, which has become one of the biggest pagan, you know, celebrations, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's virtuous act of love off of Saint Valentine, right? But that it could fall on the same thing as like Ash Wednesday, which is not a holiday to her because she didn't care, but it's a holiday, quote-unquote holiday for Catholics. Mm-hmm. It's a big day. It is a big day. Right? And so for them to fall on the same day is really kind of stupid. So Catholics <laughs> should have figured that out and basically put those on a different day, sort of like the leap year, just add it in there and put it on a separate day. <laughs> Not thinking at all that if you move Ash Wednesday, you got to move Easter mm-hmm. and then everything moves. Like the whole calendar that we are on is on a liturgical calendar, even like people who aren't Catholic. 
Right. This whole calendar we own is based on these Christian holidays, right? Right. So if you go to Easter, which everyone celebrates, Catholics, all Christians, and then culturally people kind of celebrate it. Yeah, bunny fans, stuff like that. You you would reverse that and count backwards, and that's how you come up with the days of Lent. Yeah. Okay, am I right? Yeah, so then totally. Ash Wednesday starts here and leads to Easter. So if you want to move Ash Wednesday, then you got to move Easter. Okay. Yes. So the reality is, is that Ash Wednesday, because it is a superior feast day than Valentine's Day, will supersede Valentine's Day. Right? Totally. So the fasting and all that. And then Valentine's Day is just sort of the secondary event. No one that I knew complained about that. <laughs> they com- If people are going to complain, they're just complaining that it's Ash Wednesday and they got to fast. Mm-hmm. But they're just saying that because it's like, oh man, it's Ash Wednesday. I got to do these things. But no one's like, I really think, you know, we should have just not done Ash Wednesday and just celebrated Valentine's Day. Even people who don't know kind of understand that Ash Wednesday superseded Valentine's Day. Yeah, it seems kind of obvious. But non-Catholics would kind of find it confusing because they just look at it as a day on a calendar not connected with Easter, Christmas, Advent. It all, the like, you can't change the calendar of flow of, like, how things fall within the Christian story. And I would guess she wouldn't have an idea that Valentine's Day is also a Catholic day, probably. So she's probably just thinking about Ash Wednesday, like, why would you plan Ash Wednesday on Valentine's exactly. Day? Exactly. But they're both Catholic days. Right. She didn't get it. But right. God bless her. Yeah, no. It's, well, and it's not going to always fall that day, obviously. No. It's just, I think it's every six or seven years. See, there's the seven. Yeah. That's, That's what, what it is. That's what you are thinking of. I was thinking of that. The seven got, you know, just jammed in my brain, and I couldn't <laughs> let it go. So... <laughs> All right, speaking of jammed. Whoa. Yeah. Do you have a weird <laughs> Catholic stuff? What? Yep. What you talking about jammed for? <laughs> you crazy. You're weird. You are weird, sir. No, no. Yep. Yes. Weird Catholic stuff. I got you. All right. So I, um I pinned you again. So it's Lent. Yes. That's when Catholics get weird. We're going to talk about that. And this is like show what? Two... Two sixteen eight Or nine. Well, nine. Two sixty nine. Two sixty nine. Good call. Um, yeah, it's Lent and Catholics get weird during Lent. That's true. Boy, do they. What's some weird, weird stuff that you're hearing about? Well... Or have heard about? One is kind of famous, and that's the one I want to talk about today. Um, of a really weird thing. Well, okay, so penance. Mm-hmm. Non-Catholics find this weird, but then when you start discovering the types of penance people have done over the centuries, it just gets downright bizarre, you know? And I, I don't know if, I really don't know how to explain this well to non-Catholics. I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation like that, and they're like, why do you do these particular penances or whatever? I really don't have a great, compelling argument to kind of make it make sense to them, to be honest with you. But uh, one of them would be the flagrum or the flogrum where you literally flog yourself. You've heard about this? And this is kind of one of the things I was saying. Do, I mean, do people still flog themselves? I think so, but not with permission. I don't think we get permission for this anymore, but maybe we do. Um, 
But yeah, so a flogrum is a corded set of ropes. So you have like things on them, like beads or metal or hooks even. I've seen a flogger. I mean, Jesus was flogged. Yes. So it sort of represents sort of the scourging. Now you don't put, you shouldn't put, you know, like, you know, metal in there to like really scar yourself. Right. right. You so, so some people kind of just flog, kind of whip themselves as a reminder, but I don't know. Like, so, like I'm not saying people haven't taken that out of, out of hand. Well, right? I think before it completely fell out of use, uh, the hooks went away, the, the metal went away and it was just, just the leather. It's so like the leather kind of hanging free. You'd flog yourself with that. Um, but this was a pretty popular penance and mortification for centuries. And probably the most famous one that might surprise us of who used this device would be St. John Vianney. Hmm. Not just for himself. Get hmm. this. This is weird. Imagine going to confession, confessing your sins, and your penance is, yeah, do some uh, light flogging. Over the weekend, he would give it as penance. But that's in confession. Wouldn't light flogging be subjective? Light light flogging to you and light flogging to me could be two different things. Yeah. Meanwhile, he reserved the heavy flogging for himself. Mm. <laughs> so, so he would give them the penance, but then give himself a greater penance for their sins. Mm. But he utilized the flogger, the flogrum. Yeah, so the few times I've ever asked a spiritual director about doing stuff like this, they say, absolutely not. I wasn't asking about a flogrum, but I've asked about, like, could I put some rocks in my shoe? This is how weird Catholics are. We're like, like you know give me I some, think? let me walk on my knees Yeah. to experience the pain of Christ. Look, I'm not, you know, he, here's my thing is, like, we already have so much suffering in our own lives. We, we need to learn to offer that suffering to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? In 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 union with the cross, we have a hard time even offering our own suffering for that. Much less adding suffering to us. Now, this physical pain and suffering, we do kind of that a little bit with fasting. This pain of hunger or giving things up, you know, it it, it adds to this certain longing to be close to Jesus. Now, you know, the flogging thing, the the sending pain. Now I have seen like monks have floggers, but they're little and they just kind of tap themselves with it as a sign of the scourging or the sign of Christ's suffering. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, it's like, it's like having, it's almost like a sacramental, like right. having a rosary in hand, you know, going through the beads. These little floggers are kind of like a, a, a reminder of what Jesus went through, but they're not like whipping themselves with them. So I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, you know, saints have promoted it. I know some people wear hair shirts. Yes. Right, these metal shirts underneath to like just aggravate them all day long. I mean, I'm already always aggravated. (laughs) So I need to learn to offer my aggravation to Jesus. I can't imagine adding aggravation, but maybe I'm just not holy like some of these people. Well, what I don't, what is weird and I don't get about myself and is... Why does this make sense? Because this makes sense to me. Like, yeah, I've been there. You know, I want to go through life and I want to, I want to do some penance for my sins and the sins of the world. And I want, uh, you know, some, something concrete to do. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to explain why this is a good idea. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like the hair shirt. So like St. Thomas More did this. He was very wealthy. He was a statesman. Uh, he wore his fancy statesman clothes, but underneath the clothing, he'd wear these hair shirts. You would have never known. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard to explain why, but like in the when you're in the Catholic world or in a Catholic universe of Lent and penance and fasting, like it it just makes sense. It feels well. Jesus talks right. this past Sunday in the Gospel, right? Um, the Gospel talks about you know when you fast, don't let people know. You know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Like you know, like. The whole idea that fasting shouldn't be a public display of mm-hmm. look at me, look at what I'm doing. I do think like saints or people who wore hair shirts. The part of the penance is to like not to have an attitude of joy to where no one knows that you're wearing a hair shirt. Right, exactly. That's like really kind of next level penance, you know? So you, you can't like harm yourself, but it's making things so uncomfortable and irritable, but you're having to offer that up to where your your countenance is has joy and peace. That's yeah. that's hard to do. Yeah, with St. Thomas More, the only reason we know that about him is because his daughter uh, knew about it and would help care for his wounds that came up. Mm-hmm. His wife didn't know. His other kids didn't know. It was just his oldest daughter. Really? He kept it to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, St. John Paul II had things like that. John the Twenty Third wore a hair shirt under his uh, clothing. I mean, I think you could do a fast and not tell a soul. Yeah. If you could keep sort of the, um, you know, the attitude that it's not affecting you. That's the whole point. You know, so say like tomorrow, I just decide to like fast all day, not eat. Maybe like a piece of bread. I'm not saying I'm going to do that. But if I were to do that, maybe I just, I don't tell anyone. And then just try to act like everything's great. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk that goes back and forth in your mind about that, right? Mm-hmm. So you're constantly in dialogue with the Lord of like, Lord, help me just to like, you know, trust in you and not let this affect me. So what you find yourself doing is like really praying more than you would normally. Yeah. Right? That's true. So that's the whole point of fasting, right? Well, look, before you start flogging yourself this Lent uh, or any other weird penance, talk to a spiritual director. That's always... Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, but like when you take on a penance, um, even these flograms or other devices, they were all done within the context of somebody directing that penance. Like it was not like, you know, a, a self challenge. It's not like the flogrum challenge, like you might do the Tide Pod challenge or something like that. Mm, that's, that's talk a, to a spiritual. I director. love that connection there. Now, not to be mistaken in South Louisiana that you think flogging is frogging. No, there's no R that. No, but people do frog down here. Yes, and you don't have to talk to your spiritual director about that. I mean, you can catch you these can just do frogs, it. and people eat frog legs. Yeah, right. And like, you can whip yourself with them. I don't know. I, yeah, you you can <laughs> flog yourself with frogs. Yeah, you can frog yourself. You can frog yourself. Now, <laughs> the great debate is 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 frog a meat? Can you eat frogs on Fridays? Right, mm-hmm. because we fast from from meat on Friday, so we can eat fish, shrimp, right. Yep. Is frog meat. No, you could eat the frog. It's an amphibian, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and then Archbishop Amon of New Orleans recently, a couple of years ago, 
clarified alligators all good. Eat an alligator. Yeah, I mean they had they actually had to clarify that here in Louisiana because there was so much debate going on, a lot on Facebook as well, whether or not you could eat alligator on Fridays mm-hmm. in Lent. Go for it. And the Archbishop says it is not a meat. <laughs> it is a It's seafood. It well seafood it is a amphib what is what is a the lizard. Alligator? Some kind of lizard thing. Reptile. That lives most of it's the time. It's a reptile. It's a reptile, but that spends a lot of time in the water. Right. So, so there was the debate was over. Mm-hmm. You know, the bishop has spoken. Now, look, if I am going to eat something on a Friday and Lent, obviously not meat. I'm not choosing alligator. Because mm-hmm. the best way to eat alligator is fried. And if I'm going to choose to eat something fried on on a Friday, it's going to be fried shrimp. Yeah, shrimp po' boy, or fried fish. Mm-hmm. Fried alligator would be maybe fourth on the list. Frog legs would be like tenth. Well, maybe that's some where you start. people love fried frog legs. I can't. There's something froggy about them. Like when you <laughs> taste them, there's just something, you know, a little, a little. It tastes like a frog. Yeah. <laughs> tastes like a frog. Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening on the podcast, on the radio here in South Louisiana. Um, Great to be with you, Deacon Adam Conkin Studio. Mm. And I always say, like, the our sort of Christian seasons and holidays are so different here in Louisiana than most places. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Lent, you know, Mardi Gras season, it's like nowhere else. That's right. But Lent here is kind of weird, too, because we really live in the seafood capital of the world, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, we're not like in Maine where there's lobster, but like this is like fresh seafood, hands down, right out of the Gulf, right? Yeah. Shrimp, fish, oysters, the whole deal. And so like then you're just like, well, am I really fasting on a Friday, you know, from meat? Yes, but then such this – but it's such a celebration. Lent, people celebrate Lent down here. I mean, restaurants will have signs of their, and they'll have Lenten menus. Pizza yeah. places will have Lenten menus where you can get a pizza with fried shrimp on top, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, every place would have a Lenten menu, right? We got po', po boy places that just are hopping during the Lent. <laughs> hopping. You know what I'm saying? It's a frog joke. Yep. It's a frog joke. Yeah, I mean, leave it to humanity to commercialize everything. It's like it's like it's the Disney World of Lent down here. Where, like, in some places, like, say, like, you're in, like, I don't know, 
Oklahoma. And you're like, oh, it's Friday in Lent. Like, I'm getting a bean burrito from Taco Bell. Right. Right. Or like a couple of boiled eggs. You're right. But here you're just like, man, there's a, I can get a shrimp, oh boy, and boiled crawfish and trollbroid oysters and, you know, fried seafood and boiled (laughs) seafood and blackened seafood and all of it. All of it. You know? Yeah. I mean, but, but the flip side is that it's so celebrated down here. But the other side of that is it's almost too celebrated to where it's like, it cannot be fasting. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I solved that problem for me a few years ago where I introduced the idea of eating food without seasoning, mm-hmm. which is, you ever did that? Oh, it's gross. But it's the same food. Like, let's say we're, because like we eat shrimp pasta on Fridays all the time during the year. Well, let's just do it without seasoning this time. Mm. I know, same food, but you just yeah eat it. So I think uh, you should lessen your pleasurable experience of food during Lent. That's kind of the idea. And it's not, and again, it's a weird Catholic thing. It's not because we, we think hurting ourselves or being uncomfortable is like a way to be holy. It's rather a detachment from the pleasures of the flesh so that we can, well, one, have solidarity with our Lord who ate no crawfish and shrimp on Good Friday, by the way. Like that day, he did not have any meal let alone big crawfish boil with beer and whatever else people do on Good Friday. Like oh, Good Friday thing. Like, like I'm not even going to argue with people. I'd be like, you're crazy. You are crazy. So don't do that. But I would say that people that do that probably aren't necessarily knowing fully like what that day is about. But, you know, if I'm going to have boiled crawfish in Lent, which is like crawfish season, is kicking off, you know? Maybe mm-hmm. I just don't do it on a Friday. Yeah. Because it, it, you cannot have boiled crawfish and it not be a party. Right. Like, this is like a deal, man. And it's awesome. I mean, and if you're listening to this and you're not from Louisiana, like, you got to come down here and experience a crawfish boil. Like, just, it, it is a party, no matter if you're having this in your front yard, backyard, side yard, someone else's yard. On your roof. On your roof, on your porch. It doesn't matter. <laughs> You don't just like sit down and like quietly eat boiled crawfish. No, it's a party. Right? And you eat a lot. So you're not going to like, you're not going to like portion it out. Right. Right. So anyway, it, it really is a celebration. But all that being said, I think for all of us, having some intentionality during Lent, right? And your fast is different than mine. Outside the things that are required from us, right? Mm-hmm. Ash Wednesday, Good Friday, Fridays. So what you're doing for Lent, what God has asked you to do for fasting is not necessarily what he's asked me to do, but we both need to be intentional about what the Lord's asking us to do. And we both need to be brave enough to enter some kind of battle. I mean, our Lord went into the desert led by the Spirit to do battle with the enemy, to be tempted by the devil. Um, and that battle has to be real. And if if we just kind of switch our diet, but there's no battle with the flesh, and we're just switching our diet. We're not really, like, going to battle. Um, because, you know, the enemy uses our weaknesses and our desires and our attachments against us year-round. So this is the time of year where we go to battle with that to lessen his ammo. I mean, if you could, if you could lessen the ammunition of your enemy for the rest of the year just by doing penances and fasting now to where they can't use those attachments and weaknesses against you the rest of the year— Yes, that's what you're supposed to be doing. 
But sometimes we increase our attachment to things during Lent instead of decreasing. That's right. But um, yeah, you got to go in the desert, go into the battle. Well, and that's the reading this Sunday, right? That's the beauty of it, is that we see Jesus go into the desert and do battle. And we are sort of to model that. Like Lent is going into the desert and building spiritual muscles so that we can fight against the enemy in our life. And look, all of us understand that the devil is real. We all struggle with temptation and anxiety and worry and fear. That's that's the devil just creeping in on our lives and distracting us, right? So one thing is is certain is that we all need clarity in the enemy that we're fighting. And fasting and almsgiving and prayer, what Jesus did brings clarity to our life. Like we can see clearly what our life is meant for and the battle that we're fighting each day. So people that live in a war zone have a different vision of reality. I've never lived in a war zone. I've just seen movies. I don't know if you've known people that have actually lived like in a place where a war is happening, but life is a lot different when you're in a war zone and uh, survival. Um, people, you know, dying, like there's, there's just a whole nother humanity that's in a war. When you get out of a war zone, okay, that relative peace and ability to flourish as a human being um, can actually take place. Well, Christianity, um, our daily life is a war zone with the enemy. And the only peace that we can find in this valley of tears, in this side of heaven, that we really can find is when we cling to the cross who fights our battles for us. That's the best we can do. That is. We will not win. Like, without the cross of Christ, we are living in the middle of a huge war of principalities and powers that we will lose, one, and so will our friends and our families. Like, it is. And when people find the cross of Christ and find salvation, they look back at their life, and now they see with clarity, like you're talking about, like what life really is all about, you know? And it's not like the battle goes away, but now you're clinging to the cross of Christ that brings victory in that battle. But we can't, we can't help it. We live in a war zone. Heaven is, is that time of peace, that time where you don't have to fight anymore, that time of victory over the last enemy to be destroyed being death. Mm-hmm. Not now. Now is the battle. And so, uh, yeah, and, you know, um, Paul, I remember you talking to me about this cowboy in Texas when you were doing this men's retreat out there, mm-hmm. who was this rancher who was just like so fascinating to you. Right. That's got to be our soul. Like we have to be that kind of person spiritually to, to survive this battle. We have to get tough. We have to get rough. We have to get to know our enemy, get to know ourselves, get to know uh, the lay of the land, spiritually speaking. Otherwise, we'll never make it. That's right. Okay, speaking of making it, why don't we do a six-pack of Lenten questions? Question. So Lenten questions. That sounds good. Oh, I don't know. I just made so question it number one, you actually drove all Ash Wednesday long. Yeah. Um, so my question would be, like, when I'm driving, I have to snack, like, the whole time. I don't know why. A long distance. I've got, like, chips and I've got whatever. Mm, yeah. Um, so my question is, are you like that? And then that was, was that particularly rough driving, not being able to snack? I was reminded of, of it, and I wanted to snack, and I didn't, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we drove. You know, we we stopped and got a small something to eat. You know, non meat, whatever. And then that kind of left. But then, you know, I was. And then we we made it home for Ash Wednesday Mass, right? And and the thing. And then, uh, yeah, by dinner time, I was ready to you know at least you know eat something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been rough. But yeah, like traveling, like there's nothing like when you're traveling long distance to like stop at a convenience store, get a cup of coffee and a granola bar, or whatever, bag of mm-hmm. chips, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Yeah, it keeps Gosh. you going. Yeah. That's tough. All right, question number two. So uh, we talked about the flog room. Mm-hmm. What's the weirdest penance you ever did that you kind of laugh about thinking about like, man, that was really silly? I don't know. Hmm. Probably nothing outrageous. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Probably nothing outrageous. You never whipped yourself? No, but I did have a friend that uh, did a tent for Lent. And I thought a that was... A tent for Lent? Yeah, he slept in a tent for Lent. And I thought that was the most fascinating, kind of cool concept. Now, he wasn't married yet. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so all 46 days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, question number three. Uh, we talked about finding uh, that desert to do battle in. Um, you give Linton missions regularly. Right. Um, what, how do you reproduce, like when you're, when you're speaking to a crowd of people, let's say, and you're trying to get them to go into that desert with Jesus, like how do you actually motivate people to go to a desert? I can get motivating people to go into Disney World. Yes. Like go in that desert after Jesus. Right. How do you do that? Hmm. That that's a great question. You know, it's sort of like how do you motivate yourself to work out, mm-hmm. right? The working out's not always the fun; it's the outcome. You know, so you just say like, if you go into the desert, you're going to be better for it. Like you're going to be better on the other end of it, and you're actually you're going to be really thirsty, and the water is going to taste better than it's ever has before. So it is a discipline to go in, right? And not everybody goes into the desert because it's too hard, or they don't want to do any discipline or be uncomfortable so hmm there's nothing you could do about it i guess if you're, if you're just not gonna go not you, gonna that's the whole go. intentionality of lent like we have to choose to enter lent like lent doesn't osmosis us right mm-hmm. we don't experience lent by just saying it's lent we experience lent by doing it right yeah okay all right question number four so we talked about prayer fasting almsgiving and uh, you brought up an idea of paying someone's rent for Lent. And you said rent. Now we're for living Lent. in a tent for Lent. I mean, these are. I want a flip phone for Lent. That's my next penance. Flipping, flipping out during Lent. Yeah. Flipping out. Um, so my question would be: What if you're kind of new to this Lent thing, or you're you you haven't done intentional Lent in the past, but you want to now? Um, what is some good advice on like, let's say, Lenten newbies on? how to actually approach your prayer, your fasting, your almsgiving uh, for the Holy season as far as like what to do and when and how. Hmm. How do you start? How do you start with Lent? Yeah. How do you figure it out, especially if you've never done it before? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the formula of the church is is simple. Okay, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. How are you going to pray during Lent consistently? Just choose something you can do, right? Don't make it too hard. What are you going to give to? Like maybe you give to your church or ministry or like a homeless shelter. Like give something. Give something there in Lent, right? And then like how are you going to fast? You know, not just on Fridays from meat, but like what do you, like what could you do? 
you know? Maybe you love sweets. Maybe you love coffee. Maybe you love creamer in your coffee. I, I don't know what it is. Give up something little and fast or big, depending on what your spiritual muscles are like. So just kind of start with the weight that you can do. So you can lift heavier weights than someone who's maybe new at doing stuff like this. So they shouldn't lift the same weights as you. Mm -hmm. They have to grow the spiritual muscles. So just start where you are, but do something. Don't not do it. That's all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, question number five. Um, so what, we talked about these Fridays and not just eating a whole bunch of seafood, things like that. Um, what does a good Friday look like? Not good Friday. A Friday during Lent, that's not good Friday. I don't know. What would you say? What does it look like? That looks like, you know, I would say we should just do Fridays better in general, mm -hmm. right? Of fasting, but like in Lent, you know, it shouldn't be just from meat. Maybe you don't, maybe you don't eat in between meals or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So like no meat and nothing in between meals or skip one meal and no meat. You know, just do something that like, particularly if you live in an area where you're like, man, like I'm eating a shrimp po' boy for lunch. There's nothing really like fasting about this. But if you're fasting in between meals or you skip breakfast or something like that, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Make it a little bit more sacrificial than then what's the minimum required? Mm -hmm. All right, question number six. I don't want to get you in trouble here, so we can walk, we can tread lightly here. Okay, thin ice. But you mentioned the 46 days of Lent. So I'm going to bring up a, a, a heated debate within the church. Okay. Okay. Those folks who say when you give up something or do take on some penance during Lent, there's actually several days not included in Lent, for those penances, which would be the Sundays of Lent, mm -hmm. which if you take those away, um, you end up getting 40, right? right? So is that, I get this question all the time. Is that okay? Can I, can I give up my penances on Sundays during Lent? What would you say to such a person? Well, I don't disagree with you on that. I mean, I've heard both sides of the debate. I don't want to get you in trouble now. But, you know, if Sunday is a day of resurrection and a feast day, then it is okay to break your fast, is what I've heard. But you can choose not to. Mm -hmm. You can choose to keep it. But it is okay to break your fast on that Sunday because it is a day of resurrection. All right. How would you say it's it? It's settled. Sounds good to me. I mean, would you say the same thing or would you say it differently? No, I'd basically say, like, look, it doesn't really matter uh, that much. You're asking the wrong questions, is what I would say. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I get that you want to be faithful to your penance, but, um, you know, like, if you plan to give up chocolate 40 days versus 46 like it's pretty much the same thing like you know what i mean right um you got this you can do it and uh yeah and you, you need to celebrate every sunday even during lent so right but if you didn't want to eat chocolate on sunday fine right yeah just ask the lord but if you do break it on sundays it's okay it's really okay right yeah i get i get that question all the time all the time Right, but the reason people want to know you could break it on Sundays is because it is a, you know, quote-unquote, a day of resurrection. Yeah, and they don't want to do something wrong. They don't want to do something bad. I get it. Right. You don't want to make Jesus mad at you during Lent. Right. I get it. So. 
look, and all you guys who were who were going for forty six days, maybe now you're excited mm-hmm. that you get six days throughout Lent. Are there any solemnities this year during Lent? Yes, we got Saint Joseph on the nineteenth, the Annunciation March twenty fifth, which actually might be postponed because it might be Holy Week. When Annunciation falls during Holy Week, they move it. But okay, so at least one other feast day. So at least solemnity. one solemnity, um, maybe two. So, and those days you have to feast. You can't not. Right. They'll get you. I mean, wow. (laughs) They will get you. (laughs) Well, great show. Yeah. Glad to start off in Lent with 269th episode. So thanks for everyone for being a part of the show and listening in on the radio, KLFT, uh, or on the podcast. And thanks to all our sponsors. We'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.